During Lent, we are in the book of Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes in the Bible is a book of wisdom. And wisdom in the Bible addresses the question, what is the meaning of life? This week, we are in chapter 6 of Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to begin with verse 8 and read through verse 12 of chapter 6 of Ecclesiastes. What advantage do the wise have over the foolish? Or what do the poor gain by knowing how to conduct themselves before the living? It's better to enjoy what's at hand than to have an insatiable appetite. This too is pointless, just wind chasing. Whatever happens has already been designated and human beings are fully known. They can't contend with the one who is stronger than they are. Because the more words increased, the more everything is pointless. What do people gain by it? Because who knows what's good for human beings during life, during their brief, pointless life, which will pass away like a shadow. Who can say what the future holds for people under the sun? This is a disturbing passage (laughs) from the book of life for the people of God. Thanks be to God. About 10 years ago, Maybe a little more than that. On Sunday mornings, you could find me in the sanctuary as a liturgist, assisting the senior pastor in worship. And for a short period of time, about two or three months, David Mitnitsky, who was the senior pastor at that time, took the challenge of some younger friends to secretly work a song title into his sermon as he was preaching. So he would be preaching, 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 and then he'd say something like, take it easy, or more than a feeling, or I can see clearly now. And the friends didn't know what song title he had hidden in his sermon ahead of time. It was their challenge. It was their delight to find it. I despised this exercise. I did. I couldn't stand it. If only there had been a camera on me during those days, we would have a great time today watching it. I'm sure that back behind David's preaching, I shifted around in my chair and I rolled my eyes when I recognized the song title. My mindset then, and to some extent still today, is that preaching is serious business. And to be honest, David taught me how to do this. He taught me to recite Holy Scripture, to study the context of the passage and describe it accurately. He taught me to pray for the congregation and to consider what it is that you might need to hear and to weigh and to select Good and right words. I understand preaching to be an important and a consequential task. Now, I can't exactly remember why or how this preaching game came to an end. I can imagine, though, that I gave David an earful. I bet I did. My family knows well the self-righteous version of me. (laughs) I like to do things the right way but I certainly can be a stick in the mud. It's true. Studying and preaching Ecclesiastes has been kind of tricky for me. There's a gravity 
to the topics that are mentioned in this book. They are heavy and somewhat gloomy. There's work and power and time and death and the meaning of life. You know, it's just taken a lot of wading through extra reading and carrying around a little extra heavy emotion to sort through to the wisdom of this book. It's very difficult for a stick in the mud. I'm convinced that receiving the wisdom of this book hinges hinges on the word, the Hebrew word, hevel. And the Hebrew word hevel shows up three times in the passage that I just read for you from chapter 6. The word hevel, though, occurs 38 times throughout this book. Half of all of its occurrences in the entire Bible show up in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's an important concept. I think it's a central motif for the teacher in Ecclesiastes, for the critic. This word gets translated into English several different ways. It gets translated in some versions of the Bible as pointless, in other versions of the Bible as vanity, which means a lack of value, not self-admiration, because this is the king's English when you hear vanity, Hevel translated as vanity. It also gets translated as meaningless or emptiness or even smoke. Eugene Peterson rewrote verse 11 of chapter 6. You heard it this way, the more words increase, the more everything is pointless. And Peterson rewrote it this way. He said, the more words that are spoken, the more smoke there is in the air. Isn't it the truth? I hope you can still see me up here in spite of all the smoke. I am well aware of the effect of too many words. This week I sat in a meeting, an all-day-long meeting, Pastor Lewis was with me, with a group of pastors. Do pastors know how to use their words? Yes, we do, but not sparingly. And by the end of the day, that room was cloudy with words and concepts and assertions But thank goodness when we opened the door, it all dissipated. (laughs) What I found, though, at the end of that day, I was extremely tired. I was wiped out. And that's Hevel. That is the concept of Hevel as it is used in chapter 6 of Ecclesiastes. One of the things that I've noticed about this book in the Bible and the commentaries that go with it is that the commentaries can have drastically different tones. Some Ecclesiastes commentaries are quite optimistic, and others are more pessimistic. This week, someone asked me how I was, and I told them about my husband Keith's recent hip surgery and my son's ankle injury and how packed my calendar was. On that same day, Keith told me that he ran into an old friend who asked him how things were going, and he said, great. Couldn't be better. I have a lot of new work up ahead. My wife has this new job close to my house. And I have a cave on my property that I am sending cavers, spelunkers into. Life couldn't be better. Same day, same household. Some of us just skew a little more optimistic than others. And I wonder if a big part of the skew of Ecclesiastes 
resides in the word hevel as it's understood. Biblical scholar Julie Ann Duncan says this is the case. She says that the word hevel is so malleable that people come to markedly different conclusions about the book. When hevel is primarily about impermanence or the fleeting nature of things, then you strike a more optimistic tone with the book of Ecclesiastes. But if it is about uselessness and meaninglessness, this book can get pretty discouraging. All interpretations of Hevel suggest weightlessness. Anything described as Hevel cannot be held. It cannot be grasped. It is like smoke. It is like vapor. It is like the exhale that we only see from our breath on a cold day. Now, there is a Bible character whose name is derived from this Hebrew word, Hevel. Sounds a little bit like Hevel in English, a tiny bit. Can you guess who it is? Abel. Abel, killed by his brother. Yeah, can't hold on to him, right? (laughs) Bible translator Robert Alter uses the words merest breath when he interprets... Ecclesiastes, so in place of Hevel, he uses the phrase merest breath. And he says that the concept of Hevel is the opposite of the Hebrew concept of Ruach. Ruach, you will remember, is the word for the breath of life in Hebrew. And Pastor Ryan taught me this week that Ruach is the inhale, Hevel is the exhale. And both go through your neck, your throat, which also in the Bible, nephesh, neck, throat, gets translated as soul. And brilliantly, Pastor Ryan suggested that there might be times when our soul struggles to breathe. Are you taking in, are you breathing in the things that give life? And are you letting go of Are you exhaling the things that just dissipate, that evaporate, that don't last? So this week I made a list. I went through Ecclesiastes and I came up with the objects that are described by the teacher as Hevel. Here are some of them, some of the things described in Ecclesiastes as mere Hevel. Work and wisdom and profit and wealth, and achievement, and advancement, and too many words, that was chapter 6, an early death, and the laughter of fools, and the burial of the wicked, that would be the blessing of the wicked, the future is hevel, and youth, and appetite, and possessions, and even the word everything, even the word everything is hevel. It's hard to believe that in Ecclesiastes we have this wisdom writer, which means that the generalized topic is the meaning of life, who essentially says everything, everything is meaningless. Ellen Davis, who is an Old Testament scholar, says that this is a disclaimer. And I like this idea, that the teacher, the critic often inserts a disclaimer into the wisdom that he is professing 
when that he, when that he is writing that he will bring up a subject and then he will say this too is pointless this too is meaningless this too is vanity this is hevel and the disclaimer essentially says i don't know i could be wrong even my wisdom could be hevel it's hard to decipher tone in scripture but i really like this idea That on these very serious topics, we have a wisdom teacher who doesn't take himself seriously. He's not a stick in the mud. And quite frankly, those are the best wisdom teachers. Those are the best professors. Those are the best senior pastors. Those who don't take themselves too seriously. You probably have heard a saying that was attributed to G.K. Chesterton, that went like this, angels can fly because they take themselves so lightly. Richard Rohr tells a story about receiving a phone call and then a visit from a man who said that he wanted to thank him in person for something that he'd said to him on the phone over 30 years ago that changed his life. And so Rohr agreed to the visit, and the man drove from Durango, Colorado, to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And sitting in the courtyard of the Center for Action and Contemplation, he told Rohr, Every day I say to myself, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And that one line, that one line has kept me a happy man. This is the thing about Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, we have an uncertain wisdom writer. A wisdom writer who questions wisdom itself. And the challenge to us, the example for us, is that we can't really have it all figured out. Theologian Pete Enns places an emphasis on trust over belief for the life of the faithful. He says that beliefs come and go for each of us over the course of a lifetime. But the important thing is to maintain a posture of trust before God. Even when our beliefs are failing us, we trust. To trust is to leave the fortress of safety given to us by our beliefs and to step out onto the journey of faith. You know, this is the subject of another wisdom book in the Bible, the book of Job. Job worships God when everything makes sense. But the question is, the problem of that book is, what is Job going to do when nothing makes sense? Job steps out of the fortress. He goes on that journey of faith. He trusts. And in the end, Job's the winner, right? You see... We will never get to the point where we can say about the issues that we find in Ecclesiastes, the issues of life and death and meaning and suffering and God, we'll never get to the point where we can say, I'm done. I'm done. I've got it all figured out. That is the sin of certainty. And it separates us from God and other people. The meaning The meaning of life is just simply too big for us. We are all called to a more humble existence. 
We are all essentially dirt people, is what the Bible tells us. Genesis says that we are made from the dirt, we are made from the mud, and we receive the breath of life from the Holy Spirit of God. The word in English, humility, is derived from the Latin word hummus or soil. And this leads me to the best understanding of humility, the best understanding of what it is to be humble To be a humble person is to be a person of the dirt, is to be a person who is grounded. (laughs) Celtic theologian Esther Duvall uses a more eloquent phrase. She says we are to be profoundly earthed. We are to be profoundly earthed. That we know the struggles of this world. We know the sorrows. We know the joys. We know everything under the sun. But we don't have it all figured out. You see, I think Ecclesiastes is a call to remember that and to remember the breath. To remember the ruach, the life-giving breath. To enjoy what there is to enjoy, whatever is in front of us. The meals, the sunshine, the family, the sleep, the friendship, the work. But don't grasp it. Don't grasp it, don't try to control it, and don't take any of it too seriously, not even yourself. Yesterday, yesterday I was walking through a huge parking lot trying to get to my hair salon, <laughs> and because of the wind, my attention was drawn to this gigantic flagpole that was making a clanking noise. I suspect my hair salon used to be a used car lot, but that's another story. This flagpole was cemented into the ground. It was really old and rusted out and without a flag, and it sits right in the way, right in the middle of the parking lot. And I thought, that's what happens to sticks in the mud. It is. They get stuck, and then they're immovable. And they rust out. And then they're nothing more than a road hazard. Nothing more than an obstacle. But humble earthed people, humble earthed people like yourself, they're different. They don't get stuck. They're always ready to receive the breath and the God-inspired gifts that are in front of them. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Breathe on us and into us, Holy Spirit of God. Your wisdom and your knowledge is too big for us. It's more than we can comprehend. The season of Lent, remind us of the dust and of the ground and keep us grounded and humble. Allow us to practice the discipline of trusting Keep us aware of life and receptive to the next breath that we might joyfully receive the gifts of this day and the gifts of every day. Amen and amen.